Hello, what's up? This is Aiden Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 20th of July, 2021. What the fuck is going on? God fucking damn it, man. What a week. I hate it. I fucking hate it. I hope you guys are doing well. Thank you for listening and, you know, welcome to the goddamn nightmare. Um... It's not a nightmare. It's not that bad. I j- I've, evidently, I've started this podcast quite strong. I'm full of energy. Um, I'm in cans still, still. I'm still in cans. That Surely that's the title of this podcast this week. I, Aiden Jones, am still in cans. What was going on last Tuesday? Last Tuesday, when I recorded the pod, I was just... The the biggest problem I had was just continuing the slow process of processing the breakup. Well, (laughs) how time makes fools of us all, hey? I thought that was going to be my biggest problem. I was looking forward to recording my special last week um, that was supposed to be being recorded in two days' time. I was going to be in Cairns for five days, do some shows, get ready, come back, and then bing bang bang boom fucking do it. And then in the space of fucking 12 hours on Thursday, we went from having no cases in Victoria to having like one case, I think, on Wednesday, and then a bunch of cases on Thursday. These fucking removalist cunts. There's that anger. There's the anger that we know and love. These fucking removalist cunts from Sydney. Whatever. I can't even be mad at them. One of their mums died. Or it's the mum of two of them. That's really sad. I don't think that was them. No, that wasn't the ones that came down to Victoria. That was some other ones that went into country New South Wales. Whatever. Someone's mum died, which is sad. She died of COVID. That is it's really sad. And by the way, if you're in Sydney, you know, I've, I don't want to say I'm sending all my love to you because that's just a platitude. But I hope you're doing okay too, man. Um I, re- I realised that this podcast can be very Melbourne-centric. <laughs> I did this morning. I was like, fuck, man, I really do just talk about Melbourne and I've kind of... I don't feel anything when I think of the Sydney lockdown. And I think if you're in Sydney, you'll understand that. That's interesting, man. If you're in Sydney, I would love to know how you feel now in the lockdown compared to how you felt last year when Melbourne was going through our long-ass lockdown. Because this is like, it's getting to start to feel like it's going to be a similar situation with you guys. And I know it's probably not what you want to hear, but, you know, out in Sydney, man, I mean, they've been going for like a month already. They've been locked down and it's only getting longer and the things are getting stricter and the virus isn't getting suppressed. And it feels like you guys are fucked. And... um I just remember last year during the Melbourne lockdown, most of my rage was directed at, well, most of my rage was directed at just anyone who tried to show any sort of care for me. (laughs) So I was in such a a fucking hurt place that I was just like, whoever's nearby, I'll lash out at them. And it was always people trying to reach out and support me. And I was like, fuck off. But, um, a lot of it was also just, I don't know, there was just because Sydney and Melbourne, it's the two big cities and I was just so jealous of everyone in Sydney, just back to their lives, living normally and, you know, doing gigs and all this shit. 
and um, I just if I remember a lot of the shit from Sydney, like even man, the last lockdown when the last Melbourne lockdown got announced, the Guardian blog and the person was writing it from Sydney. And it was like lockdown announced for Melbourne and they just wrote like, I'm so sorry, Melbourne. And it was kind of like, you're not though. Like you're not, like you are and you it's like sad for us, but you don't fucking get it because you're in Sydney and you haven't fucking gone through it. That was how I felt. I was like, even though they were trying to show their sympathy, I just kind of wanted to be like, fuck off. And I guess my question, my question, my question no, don't do a voice, Aiden. <laughs> oh my god, I nearly did a voice. Um, my my question to anyone in Sydney right now, who was there last year and was, I guess, just trying, genuinely trying. Of course, you're not bad people, but trying to show some sort of sympathy for Melbourne, friends in Melbourne or whatever. How do you feel now? And do you understand what I'm saying when I talk about that? Just like fuck off, don't. You know, I wonder if it feels that way for Sydney people if Melbourne people now are going like, are you okay? Because it's hard to not gloat. It's hard to keep like our hurt from the lockdown that we went through and now Sydney's going through it. A part of me just wants to be like, now you fucking get it. Now you can say sorry to us for what we went through because you're going through the same fucking shit. But, you know, it's not about who wins and who has the most pain. It's just about trying to make sure people are okay. So what I'm trying to say is if you're in Sydney, are you okay? (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm such a fucking asshole. I'm sorry. (laughs) I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I could not. Stay sincere, um, but I hope you are okay. Don't you know? Fucking, don't worry. It's gonna get better. It will get better, but it sucks right now. Um, and I'm still in Cairns because I came up on last Sunday, and I was gonna be here until Friday. I was gonna fly back, and I had a gig on Friday night, and then Thursday, lockdown announced for Melbourne, and so I moved my flights from Friday back to Sunday. And the cases aren't really going down and it's looking like, oh, that's right. And then on Sunday, my housemate in Melbourne messaged me to say that he might be, wait up, I need a sip of tea here. I was just waiting till my tea cools down. Oh, golly. (sighs) That's beautiful. That's a beautiful liquid. Um, Yeah, my housemate in Melbourne messaged me and said that he might be a close contact. So he was in a bar where there was someone who was a positive case from 6.30 p.m. was when that other person who was a positive case was in there and my housemate was in the bar and he went to another bar and checked in at the other bar at 6.20, right? So he, he was at a different place 10 minutes before the positive person got there but then... In the other, there was like some other figures that said that the case was there from six o'clock. So it wasn't, we weren't sure whether he was there from six o'clock or 6.30. But anyway, he got a a message from the Department of Health, Victoria, saying that he might be a close contact and he needed to isolate for 14 days or until contacted by the health department. So if I, I was like on Sunday, I was flying back. I was going to fly back. I think my flight was 6.30 
And at like 12.30, my housemate messaged that and it was just like, if I fly back, there's a chance that I might have to be in the house and then isolate with him for 14 days. And I didn't want to do that. So I pushed my flight back and I decided, you know what, I'm not even going to go back. I'm going to go to Brisbane. So I was like, bought a flight to Brisbane on Monday instead. And then, uh, and this whole time, right, like fucking Pete James and uh, his lovely girlfriend, who I've been staying with this whole time, Friday, I'm like, can I stay two more days? They're like, yep. And then Sunday, I'm like, can I stay till tomorrow? They're like, yep. And then like Monday morning, Pete's like, man, why don't you just do my gig in Cairns tonight and then catch the flight tomorrow? So I'm like, all right, push my flight back again. So that's, I've changed my flight three times Sunday to Monday to Tuesday and I just am so conscious there's a few things that's going on with why I'm feeling weird first of all I'm you know I miss I miss my relationship I miss my girlfriend and I'm sad about the end of that relationship I miss the comfort of that and I miss the feeling of home that comes with having a person to be with second I feel like even though they're insisting that I'm not I feel like I'm imposing a little bit on, you know, my friends here in their home, staying in their spare room. I'm here, you know, I'm in their house. I'm just this fucking cunt. But it's, I mean, they've been so welcoming and everything, but I still can't help but think, you know, and I'm trying, like, I fucking bought us a dinner on, like, one of the nights last week. I filled up my mate's car with petrol. Um, but just now, I went out and bought them some flowers, some chocolates, some wine, bought them a card. After this podcast, I'm going to write in the card because I just... I don't want to be that fucking cunt, you know? So I got that feeling. And then I've also just got the feeling of like missing home, even though I'm away from home, but it's like, it's all locked down there. I don't want to be there, but I still miss it as well. So yeah, even though I'm very lucky, I mean, to everyone in Melbourne, you know, I hope you're okay. I got a bit of the survivor's guilt, to be honest, because, um, I'm out here doing gigs and, you know, hanging out in the sun and doing all this great stuff. And everyone back home is just fucking locked in their houses and it's all cold. You know, this is objectively, I'm in a better situation, but I still feel sad. I think it's important to acknowledge that I feel sad rather than pretending that just because I'm in a better situation, that means I have to feel good. No, I don't feel good. I still, I feel sad. But um, I guess the thing of me overstaying my welcome really... I've been thinking about this like the... um, There's a huge turning point for me like two years ago after I came back from four months away, um, you know, touring around Asia and Europe and I came back to Melbourne and I got into therapy for the first time and kind of made this conscious decision that I'm going to commit to being in Melbourne. And that was just before the pandemic. I'm going to commit to living in Melbourne. This is my home. This is where I live. I'm staying here at least for the kind of medium term and I'm going to build a career here and not be this guy who's always trying to act like he's jet setting around. And what it was, was I saw a few of the older kind of road dog comics who don't have families, don't have even homes. They don't live anywhere. They don't have a fixed address. They travel around and they kind of swing. I imagine they're like swinging from vine to vine where the vines are the goodwill of you know, acquaintances that they've met over the years around the world. And it's kind of cute to do in your early 20s, even in your mid-20s, maybe your late 20s, but it becomes less and less cute 
the older you get and it becomes more like you're just a leech on the world. And uh, I think about, I guess, the way that people's goodwill extends to you. Like if you're young, I had another thought. This was like, I had this thought when I was on acid years ago. It's almost like when you go out into the world, you travel and you go around to all these places wherever you want to go and you what you're doing when you travel and go and see how other people live is you're that people you know invite you into their place because they're like eager to show you how they live their life it's like you know you come you go to fucking i don't know you go to France you stay at your mate's house he shows you the places and it's like look this is this is how we do it you know some old guy standing out the front of his bar he welcomes you in come on in man have a beer, you know, have a cigarette, sit here with me, we'll chat a bit. And it's like they're welcoming you into their place because this is their little shop that they've set up, whether it's a shop or whatever, it's their home. This is their little outpost in the world that they've decided to stop and camp there and go, this is our philosophy. This is what we think is good about life and let me share that with you. And you go around to all these different places in the world and see what people's take on life is. You know, some people think it's a beer and a cigarette. Some people think it's a fucking glass of wine and a loaf of bread. Some people think it's some people think it's a fight. <laughs> some people think it's two little midgets <laughs> dressed up like MMA fighters going punching each other in the face. <laughs> Have you guys seen those videos? Fucking hell, Hasbullah and his mate. Fucking, I can't stop watching that, man. Khabib Nurmagomedov, the fucking UFC fighter. I thought initially it was like, it was like his little cousin or something, and the kid was like three, but he's not. He's like twenty-one, but he's got some condition where he's like tiny. He's not just a midget. He's like a little baby, and their voices are all like, "Oh my god!" And then there's like another one, and they're like gonna fight each other and they're doing the whole like weigh in and fucking whatever oh my god it's so cute just these two tiny little men but they're so angry and their voices are all up high like little teletubbies what teletubby do you reckon would win in a fight if there was a battle royale between the four tinky winky's the tallest but i reckon lala the yellow one was always fucking a bit scrappy you know get the claws out the kind of cunt that's got a knife just like in a sock ready to go <laughs> <laughs> oh. So um, yeah, people got different philosophies on life And when you travel around and go see them You're getting a little taste of that And people are ready to welcome you And willing to welcome you when you're young Because that's like formative years And you're the, it's like they're going You know, here you go young man Or young woman, young person Here is what I, you know, in my years on this earth have kind of discerned to be the valuable things in life. This is how I've chosen to enjoy the gift that is being born and the life that you get, right? Here's what I think is great about it. And you go around and you see what other people think is great about it and then at some point you stop looking and you develop your own ideas about what do I think is great about life, what's worthwhile, what are the good things that you can take out of this and then give to other people and show other people? Because that's what life is. It's learning about what it is and then you you do that happy shit. You make you feel happy and you do, you know, the good stuff and then you show other people. Like I was saying to my – I think I said this the other week. I was saying to my uh, housemate recently, he said he didn't want to have kids and I was 
he was like, why would you want to have kids? And I kind of likened it to like you, it, life is like a party and you're at a party and you're like having a good time. You know, you're at this sick party. They've got decorations. they got punch, good music, you know. They got an acrobat in the backyard jumping through a hoop of fire. People aren't even watching, but it's just there. And you're like, this is a cool party. People aren't even going to watch that guy jump through a ring of fire because everyone's just chilling and he's just doing it. I don't even think he's being paid. I think he just showed up, put a ring of fire together and he start jumping through it because that's what he wants to do because that's what he loves about life. Anyway, you're at the party. What am I fucking talking about? <laughs> you're at the party. Ring of fire? Ugh. <laughs> what kind of riff is that, Aiden? <laughs> you're at the party and you're having a good time what do you do you're there by yourself well you want to call your mates and get your mates to come to the party and go check out this fucking party come enjoy it with me and having kids is like summoning from you know the the fucking place beyond the world a spirit another person to come to the party that is life and you bring them in and then you show them, check this fucking party out. What am I talking about? Uh, anyway, that's, I just, you know, it's all about showing people what you think is great and whatever. And um, eventually you got to stop though. Eventually you got to stop, you know, letting people give you stuff because it feels good, but eventually you want to develop your own ideas about what life is and then you want to give that to someone else. You want to give back all the stuff that was given to you, you know, as those older people eventually get really old and then they die and now you're getting to be the older person and there's younger people trying to figure out what life is and you've kind of learned a little bit and you go, look, here's what I reckon it is. And what I'm trying to say is I'm sick of being that person that is just living off of the charity and goodwill and generosity of others. I don't want to be that person anymore. And two years ago, I kind of had that revelation because I saw some of the older guys that are these road dog comics touring around in their 40s and 50s still living like that. And, you know, I mean, whether or not they're happy living like that is none of my business, but I don't think I would be happy living like that. I couldn't look myself in the mirror and really think like I'm a... I'm a valuable person to myself if I'm not actually giving something to the world. I mean, I was talking to Pete last night about this, Pete James, the dude in Kansas that I've been staying with, the comic in Kansas, a fucking great comic, real young dude, but it just has a, you know, it has set up a great thing in the show that he's put on in Kansas that he's been running for four years. And um, he was saying, you know, the way he sees comedy is like there are people who just go around and they want to get on these shows and, you know, they just show up and they're like, why aren't I getting booked? And then he said there's some other guy who's a comic who when he's not on comes with his fo- with his camera, with his photo. He comes with his little photo square. It's a little square that you press a button on the square and it takes a photo of the things that were in front of the square at that time. Yeah. <sighs> He comes with his camera and he takes photos of the show when he's not on and then he just sends them to Pete, you know, and they're good photos. And it's like Pete was saying, that's a guy who's not just, you know, asking for stuff. He's like, what can I contribute? Because it's not 
just about your thing. It's about the collective. It's about the show. It's about the whole. When you go to the show, even if you don't perform well, but the show is good, or even if you're if you perform well, but you're not the best on, and the show is good, it still should feel good because it's the whole thing. And how can you contribute to that rather than just contributing to your own, you know? And um, he was saying that's why he set up the room that he did and he brings out comics from Melbourne and Brisbane and Sydney, flies them up and gives them paid work and stuff because it's like this is my way of trying to contribute. So when I go down to those cities and ask for spots, I'm not just asking for something out of nowhere. I'm, I've given them something, you know, this is what I'm contributing. So hopefully they give me something. It's a great philosophy to have. Don't just take, try and give. So... What I'm trying to say is I feel like I'm I'm very close to being one of those cunts who's just taking by staying up here. So I really want to, I really want to, um, yeah, make sure that I'm not paying my way, but just showing my appreciation. So that's why I've got these guys some flowers and a bottle of wine and some chockies and a card. And I'm going to write something about how this has been a great week and a really important week for me in the card. And then I'm going to go to Brisbane and I'm flying to Brisbane today. It's been a great week in Cairns. I did, uh, I did a walk up Mount Whitman. I feel like I kind of know the city a little bit now. I feel like I've been here for so long. <laughs> I've been here for so long. God. Hey, I did a walk last week up... Um, Mount Whitman, another friend of mine was so gracious as to give me her car for the day. People are so fucking sick, man. People fucking rule. I had lunch with her. I haven't seen her in like five years. She lives up here and I had lunch with her and we hung out a bit and she was like, do you want to go for a drive? And I was like, I was thinking, I just kind of want to go by myself. She was like, do you want me to drive you? I was like, nah, I kind of, I would just want to do it by myself. And she went, okay, that's cool. I can see that you want to, you know, some alone time, but why don't you take my car? And I was like, you are the best. I know I've um, made fun of people saying this on the podcast before, but I feel very humbled. <laughs> I feel very much like I've been showing an example of how to treat people when they, you know, come into your life or even just if they're in a spot where they need a little bit of help because I feel like I'm in that spot right now. I'm not ashamed to say that. I am in a, a place in my life and with myself right now where I'm just not 100%. Um, you know, I'm not, I know it's going to go away. It's going to get better and I'm going through it. I'm not trying to hide from it. I'm not trying to run from these feelings, but I do feel a little bit sad lately and it's because of the breakup. And it's also because of the frustration of not being able to film my special yet. By the way, if, you, um, if you've booked tickets to come and see the special recording that was going to be on the 22nd of July, we have moved the date back to the 4th of August, which is a Wednesday. And uh, I've sent out emails to everyone who bought tickets. So if you've bought a ticket, you will have got one of those emails. But um, if you haven't or if you were thinking of coming to the special taping, know that it has been changed. I'm probably going to post about it on Instagram and Facebook and everything today. Um, so, yeah, I have changed that. If you can't come to the new one, send me an email, ajtakuito at gmail.com. That's ajtakito at gmail.com. And uh, I'll get your tickets refunded, man. No dramas whatsoever. But 
if you can come and still want to come to the date on the 4th of August, which is Wednesday, two weeks from tomorrow, I would love to have you there. And uh, I realized like I was, you know, bummed about the um, the special being put back, but I kind of had a, a comforting thought where it was like, I realized I'm not bummed about, I'm not scared that it's not going to be good. Like, I know it's going to be good. I know I'm going to do well. I know I'm going to have a good set. And the point of recording the special is not to just record all of these jokes. As much as I've written all these jokes and I'm proud of the show and whatever, recording doesn't mean I have to do all the jokes. It's what it is, is it's a record of this moment in time in my comedy career. And it shouldn't be different to any other show. That's kind of the philosophy that I'm trying to go into it with. It's, it, this isn't like a special show. It is, it is a special show, but it shouldn't be different to any other hours that I've done, any other performances of this particular set that I've done. It should just be another show. It's a record of that show, of the thing happening. And, you know, if stuff happens in the room, I want to go with that. I don't want to get all like stiff and locked up and think this is the important performance. I have to do everything right. No, I just want to try and have fun with it. And, um, when the show got pushed back or when I realized that it was going to get pushed back, which was kind of probably last Thursday when lockdown was first announced. Um, by the way, thank you to stupid old studios for being so patient and, and, um, just easy to work with through all of this bullshit and understanding that I don't want to film it in a half full room that I want to wait until restrictions allow the full capacity that we were going to have. Those guys have been amazing. But I, I realized the fear, because like obviously my first instinct was to think like, I'm preparing for this and I, it's so bad. It's so, I, I feel like, I was like pitying myself, you know, I've, I've, I'm in such a difficult situation. I've been preparing for this and getting the show ready and now I'm, my preparation's ruined. But I'm not actually, because it's not about preparing. It's, it's not about preparing. It's not about getting the show ready because the show is just a record of me performing. And as long as I keep performing, you know, I'm going to be sharp and the show's going to go well, whether I forget lines or not, doesn't really matter. So what I realized that the reason that I feel anxious about it isn't that I'm scared it's going to be a bad show. It's that I just like the feeling of before I go on stage and there's a few acts before me and I start getting all impatient. And I just want to go on and do it. I just want, that's the feeling is I just want to get on and fucking do the performance. So, um, yeah, that was kind of relief. It was a relief to, to realize that I'm not worried that it's going to be a bad show. I'm just impatient. That's all. The anxiety is still there and I will have that until we do the recording and it's done. And I fucking, you know, step onto the stage. It's a control thing. I just want to control. I just want all of this stuff that's out of my control to be gone. And for the moment when, you know, people start coming into the room and the show starts and it's like, then I'm completely in control. Then I'll feel better. <sighs> um, yeah, I climbed up Mount Whitman on Thursday, went to Stony Creek, took a fucking, <laughs> took a photo of myself at Stony Creek which is this beautiful, like you park the car and then you'd walk for like 20 minutes over some nice kind of little dry creek beds with another little river running next to you and you walk up the thing and it's all very pretty and then stop 
there's like a point on the path where I stopped and the creek kind of opens up and it's a bit deeper and you can just fucking paddle around and the water's all nice and cool because it's coming off the mountain. And uh, while I was up there, I found out that there was a lockdown and I was driving, I was driving to Stony Creek and just before I parked the car, Triple J were like, lockdown announced for Melbourne. And I was just like, sick, cried a little bit in the car. Wasn't a, wasn't a wet cry, it was more of a dry cry. Um, yeah, just had a fucking bit of a, trying to let the emotion out in the car and, and walked and my phone was on 1% as well. So I was just fucking fuming. <laughs> That'll put you in a bad mood. And I got to the, um, the part where I was swimming at Stony Creek. I just was waiting to see, you know, a bit that looked nice and I found it and someone had done, you know, those little rock stacks. It's some real hippie shit. It's like you get rocks, you balance them on other rocks and then those rocks balance on other rocks so you make like a little pile. And someone made one that was like, there must have been like 15, 20 rocks in there. It was beautiful. And all I could think, my first instinct was just like, man, I want to smash these. Like I'm not going to because I just know that I would feel bad afterwards. But boy, do I want to. The moment of deciding to do it and then doing it and knowing that it's about to be done. Like that moment when you just destroy something beautiful. It feels good, undeniably. I was talking to the... Uh, man... I was talking to this girl after the show on Thursday and she said she wouldn't do it. And... I don't know about that. I was like, you wouldn't... Have, you don't even have like the kind of... You're not compelled at all to smash the rocks. To smash, you know, a thing like that. She's like, no, no. I'm like, I don't, I don't trust that. Something about that that seems very suspect to me. What are you hiding? Why do you need to be the great person who doesn't want to smash the rocks? Maybe that's just my, um, yeah, maybe that's my shit. Maybe I feel angry at someone who doesn't have the same flaws as me. I'm like, how dare you be better than me? You think you're better than me? No, you haven't said so, but I feel like you are and now I resent you. Fuck you. I took a picture of myself giving the rude finger to the rocks. Fuck you. And put it on Instagram with uh, with a caption about how I'm... I think, you know what? That's actually probably the best thing I've posted on Instagram in a while. Where is it? You probably all saw the caption, but I'll tell you anyway. I'll say it again. Maybe there's some people listening to this who don't normally listen to the podcast and don't follow me on Instagram and they haven't seen the great post that I did last week. Uh, The text over my head is me frustrated and angry at the prospect of another lockdown fucking with my taping next week. And then it's me giving the rude finger to a pile of rocks and the text over the pile of rocks is someone who has done nothing wrong whatsoever. And what that is, is me trying to admit to the fact that I lash out at people who try and help me. A lot of anger. (sighs) I think I'm almost done. I've been trying to go longer, but I feel kind of rushed this morning. So I went and I've I've been been driving Pete to work in his car so that I can have the car for the rest of the morning. And then he works for three hours and I pick him up and then we do the rest of our day and whatever. Um, So I drove him to work this morning and I didn't tell these guys that I got them some, that I was going to get them some flowers and shit. I've had that plan in my mind that that's what I was going to do on the last day I was here so I um yeah dropped him at work got the car 
made up an excuse for why I needed his house key and then uh, went into the city, grabbed a coffee, grabbed a uh, croissant, went and bought the flowers, bought the chocolates, bought the wine, came back here and now I'm kind of recording. It's 11 o'clock now and I'm probably going to have to pick him up in like 45 minutes or so. So I'm like a little bit rushed and I'm flying out. I think we're going to try and squeeze a little lunch in. But anyway, um, I might just tell you guys this. Because last night I did the gig, um, did uh, Laughing Heart in Cairns, and I wrote this joke, and uh, boy, it's is it silly. I had the best time on stage last night. I really had a lot of fun. Um, thanks to all the comics in Cairns as well for fucking putting me on your shows and talking to me and being very welcoming. Some great, great fucking acts down here. Caleb Day, so funny. Oh, there's this old dude whose name I've forgotten. Uh, Terry. Terry fucking... That's my grandpa's name. The dude's like 72. That's what, man, I loved to see last night, this old guy. I hadn't even been doing comedy for a long time, but he's just been an entertainer forever. You know, he played in bands, all of that. And he just lives in Cairns and he has no aspirations of being, you know, a great comic or anything like that. But he's doing comedy and he loves it. And uh, I think I... I said, like, I was, you know when you just say something and you're really happy with how the words come out? I was watching this guy on stage and he said, look, I mean, he was saying some pretty crook stuff. Not, like, awful, but just, like, things that are clearly jokes, but still, like, fucking don't say that, mate. All right? And, um, but he was riffing. And the audience still loved him, even though when he said crook shit, they were like, fucking, come on, man. Almost immediately after they were laughing at his stuff again because it's clear this guy is just an old man who, you know, he doesn't care. He's just trying to say a funny thing and 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 have fun up there. And uh, I messaged Pete behind the desk and I just said, like, I love, like, he he's so old that he doesn't care anymore. He doesn't care about anything anymore. But somehow, miraculously, he still cares about this. Like, he doesn't care if people don't like him or... If he bombs or if he says the wrong thing or if people think that he's a bad guy or whatever, he's too old to care about any of that. He's got, you know, the future ahead of him is just more of this. He's not trying to get anywhere else so he doesn't need to fear the recriminations of people who aren't important to him. He just has to try and do what he thinks is the right thing. He doesn't care about any of that stuff, but somehow he still does care about getting on stage. Because if you're 72 and you're not a professional comic... I mean, even if you were a professional comic, you've retired. You can retire at 72 and draw a pension. You don't need to be here at an open mic comedy night in Cairns on a Monday night doing a spot. But he is. And that is the fucking most beautiful shit. Oh, I read... Uh, I, I know I just talk about art all the time lately. I'm just obsessed with it. What was oh god i gotta find this quote but i'm not going to be able to it's something like um uh, buh, 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 buh. make something then try and make it better that's art quote oh shut up i'm not going to be able to find it there was some quote by some fucking guy that i saw on instagram that was just like <laughs> that was garbage wasn't it me just <laughs> <laughs> you know the way you search things on Google? They're not full sentences. It's just keywords. To speak like that out loud is really, yeah, it's not, it's, it feels weird. Anyway, um, the quote was something like, um, 
uh, art is when you make something and then try and make it better and you do that for the rest uh, and you do that for until you die and that's a pretty good life. No, I'm going to I'm going to try and find it. Try and make it better and you do that until you die and that's a pretty good life. Quote. Green lights quotes by Matthew McConaughey. No. 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 Oh, God. I'm not going to find it. I can't find it. Whatever. You get the gist. This guy, Terry, is just doing it. He played music when he was younger and he played in bands and he played in pub bands and did that. And, you know, maybe at some point I talked to him before the gig and he didn't seem like he didn't get where he wanted to go. And it also seemed like he never got to anywhere any point of any sort of like wider recognition, you know, he just was fucking doing it for the sake of doing it. And then he was just at comedy and he's fucking 72 and he's getting on stage and he's trying to make people laugh. And if that's not an incredible thing, you know, then I don't know, man, I got nothing for you. Anyway, here's the joke that I wrote. So the first bit of the joke to set up the context is just, uh, I hate cockroaches. I think they're gross, whatever. Some people, when you say that, will go, you know, they're like the cleanest animal. Cockroaches are like the cleanest animal. And I don't, have, I don't know even what that means, really. Like, clean by what metric? What are you talking about? It's like if you were... Um, oh, and this, this part of the joke, actually, I've just realized, isn't going to work on the podcast, whatever. If you were doing uh, housemate interviews and uh, some guy on his, on his profile was like, I'm really clean, and then you get him into your house... And you're like, you know, interviewing him for the room and he said he's really clean and he starts licking his hands and rubbing them together. And then I do an act out of like rubbing the back of my hands together like a cockroach rubs its hands together. You wouldn't think that's a clean person. You would say, get out of my fucking house. That's gross, right? Cockroaches aren't clean. Even if them cleaning themselves is like them licking their fucking hands all the time. That's not clean. You're still a cockroach. You can never be clean because you're a cockroach. That's the whatever. That's just the fucking first joke. But then I just had this idea that has really nothing to do with that other than the idea that there's a human who is being a cockroach. And I was just like, um, you know, the end of the, the end of the houseman interview is like, well, thank you, Mr. Roach. And the guy's like, please, Mr. Roach is my father's name. Call me cock. That's how you do comedy, you fucking idiots. And that is also how you do a podcast. And that's the end of the podcast this week. Oh, actually, before I go, the image, the image uh, for this week is, uh, what am I going to make it? Fucking maybe I'll make it me looking sad next to that pile of rocks. Yeah, great. That's a good one. Thank you guys so much for listening, man. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace.